I'm Sanya Malik. And I'm Tafara Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. This week we're talking about Ash by Melinda Lowe. We're kicking off our Pride series. Um, It's going to be the month of August. We're dropping this one at the last Monday of July so that we can do LGBT and Q instead of just LGBT. So we're kicking it off with a good L. Uh, This is a lesbian retelling of Cinderella by Melinda Lowe. It was released in 2009. Um, it's kind of a classic when we when we sort of surveyed to see books that people would like to hear during Pride Month. This came up a lot. It also kind of fits with our like very loose and flexible fantasy theme this year that we occasionally hold to. So yeah, this was my first time reading it. This was Sanya's first time reading it. And we read it. <laughs> Just, I hope so. There's not, there's not a good thing to say. It's like, this is the first time we read it, and uh, yeah. It was first, a book. First time. It's a book. Yeah. Um, I don't mean that as censure. I just literally mean I don't know where I was going with that. I enjoyed it. It's. I found it was hard for me to get into just because I am not used to reading the kind of high fantasy. It's really written as your traditional kind of fairy tale retelling. There's a lot of Gaelic names that um, we... Aren't going to try to pronounce? Yeah. Because we'll sound dumb. <laughs> and uh, it's very much like rooted in the lore of the fairy folk, you know, people of the forest. It's a lot like Daughter of the Forest atmospherically, though it um, lacks the problematic elements that we talked about. Yeah, so Sanya, you said you had some trouble with this one. Yeah, so I listened to it as an audiobook, and this is the first time I've ever listened to an audiobook, and I kept falling asleep. Oh my god, it was so difficult to get through it, not because the book is bad, but just because like I think audiobooks, like my brain, I can't. Like I'll be trying to multitask and listen at the same time, and then I'll realize this whole scene skipped, yeah. and I didn't even take it in, and then I have to go back basically wasted a lot of time this is exactly my experience yeah. with audiobooks i, I don't know don't like i think i guess it works for some people but for me i'm like okay i'm going to do this if i want to sleep like i think it makes sense to me that this book would make you sleep too because it's so dreamlike it's like and the type of story your mom tells you before you go to bed or whatever i in and fact like, told the story to my child exactly yeah it was very but that being said it was actually very well written I think that Melinda Lowe's um, storytelling and plot, plot-wise, I wasn't very impressed by the book. But writing-wise and techni- technical like writing and everything like that, I thought it was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did you think? Did you like the book? Again, like we've talked about this before, I have trouble getting into fantasy, into this kind of fantasy. And it's one of those books where I'm like, if Hannah was here, Hannah, who loves fantasy and loves lesbians, uh, would have just so much to say about this and I think would adore this book. And I think if you're somebody who who really loves that kind of traditional, like, away with the fairies, um, magical fairy tale retellings, this is very much for you. Mm-hmm. I have more trouble getting into that. I did have trouble getting into it. Um, but I do think very much that's a style mismatch more than the fault of the book. 
um, I thought it was a a really interesting way of approaching the Cinderella myth and I liked the way her feelings kind of developed. I did feel like we could have had a little more lesbian a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of confused. Mm-hmm. I didn't know when it was going to happen and with who. Right. And then I really, even when it did happen, it was very like, I don't know, maybe it's supposed to be PG-13 or something like that. I don't know. But I felt like there was a kiss at the end or something. And then that's pretty much it. They were in love. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see them falling in love or like being physically attracted to each other or even like you know mentally attracted to one another i felt like they were more like friends and then she would blush every now and then and then you kind of put two and two together and i thought that that was kind of like missing from the story i felt like there was more almost more romance between ash and the fairy who i can't whose name i can't pronounce um let's just just call him s you can call him Sean. We'll call him Sean. I'm pretty sure that's not how you say it. It's so not. I. It, you know what? She said it so many times in the audiobook, and I still don't know how to pronounce it. Do you remember, it. like, roughly the noise it made? No. I see what you mean. And I do think that the kind of tension between the attraction to the fairy and the attraction to Kaisa... Um, was really interesting mm-hmm. and there was like like i thought there was gonna be a love triangle i got so confused at one point well, because it, it almost felt like a love tri- i mean that's so like in the yeah. in the tradition of the fairies that's kind of what happens right it's like if you wander into a fairy circle a fairy can claim you and then you are like the the fairy's bride and that's a very old um myth in the in in britain and that region the part where he had been in love with her mom was weird. That was just super weird. It was like, I don't know. But I think that's the thing. Like, I oh. think there's something to writing fairies as menacing. I think there's um, there's something to writing fairies as, like, not just friendly and good. Like, I think the the kind of attraction in it is menacing on purpose. And I think it feels off on purpose okay i do like that it's dark and unsettling Mm -hmm. because traditionally fairy tales are dark and unsettling right and you know what i'm almost okay also with the sort of we yearn after each other and then we kiss and then we're together because i feel like that also tracks with happily ever after you know like if you think about cinderella Mm -hmm. She and the prince see each other, see each other, yearn, 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 mwah, happily ever after. Yeah. It's it's not satisfying. It's not. Um, it but was I, very, 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 like, similar to that yeah. narrative. And I think I just expected more. I thought that as a retelling, it would be retelling, like, everything almost, or at least trying to put a new spin onto it, whereas it was really just, it wasn't like that. And I it think was, I was yeah. I think I was just really disappointed by that, but now that I'm thinking about it, it is very similar to Cinderella itself. Mm-hmm. Um I just wish that we got to see something more like powerful and more impactful than rather just like a you know, happily ever after love story where you meet someone and you make eye contact a couple of times and then you're together. <laughs> I liked um Ash having the power to save herself from the fairy. From the, like, fairy's curse. Right. So what exactly did she end up doing? I didn't... I wasn't... I was kind of confused. It, it was a little confusing. Um, but what I remember 
from it. Um, it was she basically just told him no. Like, basically, he was like, well, now you have to stay with me, you know, forever and be my bride. And she was like, I won't. I'm not going to do that. But I will give you, like, one day. Mm-hmm. And then time passes differently in the fairy realm. So, like, she had this sense of a lot more time having passed with him. But when she came back, it was the same day. Okay. The same morning. Um, so she kind of just, like, found a loophole and got around it. But yeah, I do feel like the rules of the universe could have been a little clearer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't really understand. Like, I think she says to him that if, you, if your love is really true, because her mom put a curse on him that he would fall in love with a human girl, which happens to be Ash. Yeah. And so, or right? Yeah. 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 And so then um, she's like, if your love is really true for me, you're going to let me go. Yeah. Because that would make me happy and that's what you do when you're in love, right? So I guess that's kind of what happens. And it was very, like... I think one thing I also noticed in this book was that there was no conflict. Hmm. Or if there was, it was, like, for a second and then it was really done. And I didn't feel like she was going towards anything. I felt like it was very, like... I don't know. I felt uh, a bit lost listening to the book. I, I didn't understand what her motive was. I didn't understand what kept her going or what mm-hmm. besides like the fairy tales and stuff and yeah it just felt a bit weird in that sense like I, I kept trying to think okay who's going to be the conflict what will be the conflict and even the fairy like all she did was tell him I'm not down and he was like I okay bye <laughs> and I was like wait okay that's it well there's her stepmother but even that very it's, much a villain I mean, even that, it's like a couple of scenes where she's, she's not horrible there to her. She's not the time, yeah. But she's not there, you know? She's always gone with the other daughters. And even, like, the daughters themselves weren't as, like, horrible as I thought they would be. So you wanted more drama? Mm, more drama, but also something to, like, fight against, kind yeah. of. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was nothing there for her to fight against. She was super one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. But then again, so was Cinderella. Yeah. So yeah. then I like keep bringing myself to like that point where I'm like, okay, but so is Cinderella, and that happens in Cinderella, and yeah, it sort of does just feel like the Cinderella myth plus a good dose of fairyland plus um, a it's female, a girl. yeah, a female yeah. woman trust, and I guess overall that then that is a retelling. It's just not as um, it's not as meaty, mm, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So the trajectory I saw in this story and the thing that I like in this story, because I think I did, like once I got into it, I did enjoy reading this, even though pace wise, it's not what you expect necessarily. There's a lot of sort of wandering around in a dream Mm -hmm. state. There's a lot of sort of wandering around in the woods. Um, There's a lot of confusing ghost people whose bones show through their skin Um, and also horses. A lot of horses. So many horses. Which is cool, you know. What I saw the trajectory as is like being bogged down, feeling immobilized, feeling disempowered, feeling unable to do anything about her life. Just these horrible things keep happening. Her mother dies after she is... uh, How did that work? Because her, her mother dies, basically she kind of knows what they should have done to save her and her dad won't let them do it and her mother dies and then she tries to guard her grave and she's also not able to do that and she's kind of just very passive and very as children are because she's quite young when the book starts um 
And I see the trajectory of the book being her gradually realizing that, I guess, there is no conflict, that she is not tied to that house. She's not tied to that family. She can just leave. And that's kind of something for me, like when they moved to the city and sold her house back in the town, I was kind of like, well, I feel like she could just go back to the town and the Green Witch would like take her in and raise her. Yeah. Like, no questions asked. It would be totally fine. Mm -hmm. She had such a strong community there. But she doesn't think to do that. She doesn't think to ask anyone for things. She just kind of floats. And that's why, like, she's so vulnerable to the fairies, because she just kind of, she doesn't really have a purpose. She's kind of like, there's a fairy ring. I'm wildly depressed. I hate my life. Maybe I will go to fairyland, right? And then when she meets Kaisa, and I did really like that she doesn't just meet the huntress, she meets kind of a whole group of people who are really empowered, who really know their purpose, who have a career track, as mm-hmm. it were. Um, because really, she's first drawn to the to the huntress who trained Kaiza. Um, and I got very confused at that point because I Me knew she'd fall in love with the king's huntress. And I was like, this is a grown woman and a yeah, 12-year-old. that's what I was thinking. It's not that huntress. No. <laughs> um, and then kind of as soon as she realizes, I don't have to stay here. I am not held here by anything. She she just leaves and she goes to the palace and she like says what she wants. Um, she goes to Sean <laughs> again, not his real name. Oh man! And and she like says this is how this is gonna work, and kind of as soon as she starts just saying no, this is how it is. This is this is how it's gonna be. Everything kind of starts coming together and working for her. I agree that the pacing is off mm-hmm. for it. But ultimately, I do think there's a trajectory. It's just done in this, this like kind of magical realism style that's very suspended and mm-hmm. very sort of unearthly and sleepy and slow. I guess that makes sense because even I don't really read fantasy novels. So I guess that's why I'm a bit like, wait, where's your basic like conflict resolution and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I think of it that way, it definitely makes more sense. I mean, there are fantasy novels that absolutely have a clear conflict. This, uh, yeah. This know. kind of felt like I was reading um, uh, the Grimm Brothers, like original fairy book of fairy tales. Like I have that at home and mm-hmm. it's very similar to this. Yeah. Kind of like stuff happens and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like in that sense, it, of course, like that then that way, like it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much a fairy tale. Yeah. I really liked that part about it. I really liked, especially at the beginning when she's explaining everything to the reader about like what people believe in, what yeah. people don't believe in, what the fairies are. Uh, I wish that I saw more of it throughout mm-hmm. the book rather than yeah. just like the beginning, just to like, yeah. okay, here's what you missed, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I liked that part a lot. I thought it was really interesting and I thought that maybe it would take another turn where she would be more involved in that world. Rather than just, like, going there every night sometimes and, like, seeing stuff and then not being a part of it. I kind of wanted her to be a part of that world, too. Yeah. And so in that way, I thought that the whole story was going to be about reality versus fantasy and coming to terms with your problems in this life and dealing with them head on. Yeah. And I think it almost was kind of like that at the end where she realizes that, you know, she can leave and she can, she has, um, she has uh, the power to leave situations that she doesn't feel happy in anymore so that part i think was was really cool i just wish we got to see more of it throughout the book 
I would have loved to see Ash training as a green witch. Mm. I would have loved to see her yeah. like working with the green witch and doing the herb magic and maybe even like using some of that, like finding a way to break the fairy curse that involved a little bit more magic, um, especially as someone with like a deep personal interest in, in green witching mm-hmm. um, who like practices a little bit. I think that would have been really interesting. I think maybe part of it is just that throughout this book, it's very internal. It's very much Ash's internal monologue, Ash's internal experience. What's she doesn't her sign? interact with other people a lot. What's her sign? I feel like she's a water sign. Cancer. I keep doing this. I keep giving them all cancer but like really she, i feel like she is cancer though she, she like internalizes everything she could be scorpio i could see her as a scorpio i don't know i feel like scorpios are kind of like no this is not working for me mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. they're like okay cool bye the main scorpio i know is eight months old and that sounds about right he knows what he wants <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah speaking of scorpio and ash okay i don't want to i don't want to bash on scorpios obviously but you guys are pretty intense Sometimes I feel like you're not the nicest bunch. I'm not a Scorpio. No, not you. I'm talking about anyone who's listening oh, okay. who's a Scorpio. Yes, yes, yes. I am deeply sorry you if I'm offending like you. You were just looking into my eyes and I was like, I am I, a water sign. <laughs> I know you're a Pisces. I got you. But um, did we think Ash was a nice person? Because Cinderella originally, is her power is her being nice to everyone and everything. And being that kind person she's like um, supposed to be, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the like a real people version of cinderella that Which came one? out a couple of years ago with uh with the pretty eyebrows girl yes yeah. pretty eyebrow girl like in that they especially kind of spin it to be like her whole life cinderella has been told to be a nice person so that's why she lets these bad things happen and that's kind of like her core i guess even yeah. like the the disney version of it she's just like a very nice person wakes up super early to feed the dogs and stuff um i don't know i didn't get that sense with ash and i kind of liked that like she wasn't exactly nice or mean she was mm-hmm. just like it was a little more like ever after cinderella right i so i mean honestly i just saw her as like so deeply traumatized that not a whole lot of her personality came through mm. and i do have to give credit to really kind of digging into the trauma of the cinderella story because it is a really tragic story you know you have a young girl in a loving family whose mother dies and then her father becomes absent Mary is a stepmother who abuses her and then her father dies. I mean, it's definitely, definitely a tragic Mm. story. But I did feel kind of like her personality kind of got lost in that. Her personality got lost in just the kind of stunned, horrified grief that Lowe is very good at writing in it. But then again, that is realistic. Like that is a thing that happens. Mm Mm-hmm. But no, I wouldn't see her as somebody who was just kind of going out of her way to be nice. I saw her as somebody who just certainly felt trapped. Right. What did you think of her stepsisters? I kind of wanted to see more of them. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, one of them was almost absent the whole time. Yeah, kind but of. then she came in at the end and was nice, right? Like Clara. Clara was the nice one. Yeah, who but, came in at the um, end and was like, go and be nice. What was the other girl's Anna. Name? Anna. She was, I felt like she wasn't really around. Not that much. I did really appreciate with Anna the scene where she and Ash talk about marriage. Mm. And like, yeah. Anna's just like, look, don't 
like judge me for wanting to marry well this is my career essentially mm-hmm. and just like don't knock it like this yeah is something I really I have like to that. do yeah. I don't she she says like what am I gonna do go out and apprentice myself like I can't do that nobody would take me this is what I have to do and I did really appreciate that having that kind of touch of humanity and that there was like that was something that clearly Ash had never thought of Ash had not been raised to think of it that way and that was just kind of an interesting like balance of Mm -hmm. like well maybe you grew up rich enough that you didn't have to think about this um but I didn't have that privilege kind of thing that's true yeah I did like I mean we are talking about this for pride month we are talking about this as like a lesbian adaptation and I did really appreciate how queerness was just very clearly kind of part of the culture yeah it a wasn't really taboo normal, at all calm like yeah. she didn't have a freak out about like discovering she was attracted to a woman it seemed very normal for her they had a bunch of mythology and lore about queer people in various aspects i felt slightly like aristocrats still had compulsory heterosexuality oh yeah <laughs> like like hetero marriages happen for the aristocracy mm-hmm. but those of us who aren't aristocrats can can just love who we love which mm-hmm. is kind of a fun bit um and i did think that she did a really good job i don't know i think i disagree with you on the like not feeling physical attraction point i mm-hmm. did actually really feel the butterflies in the stomach i did really okay. feel ash's crush right i guess I I don't know, looking back, probably yes. I just thought that there would be more maybe. I just felt like compared to her like description of the fairy, I forgot, I don't know, has Sean, Sean, Sean. right? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Melinda Lowe. I'm not going like, to tag you in this review anyway because that would be mean. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like the way she described him and the way she described how she felt towards him Versus how she felt towards um, Kaisa, mm-hmm. it was just very different. So I, for that, for me, than that, I was just like, wait, why is she more down for the guy with the pale features and bony cheekbones, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I guess in that sense, I, I thought that it wasn't enough. But you're right; like there was definitely instances where it was like 100% a crush, like yeah. blushing when you look at the other person and then they catch you looking and. Yeah. All of them feels. I wanted more of a sense of Kaisa's physicality for sure. Yeah. It was a little confusing to me that she would describe the fairies in such great detail and not the people. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did feel very much like I had this very clear image of what the fairies looked like. Yeah. And very little image of what the human characters looked like. That's very true. Um, I, I do think, I mean, I think that more than a person, Sean is really just death for ash and i kind of feel like he's less a like romantic foil than he is kind of a suicidal ideation that she has having been so deeply traumatized Ooh, you just turned things around (laughs) okay now i'm suddenly very very like interested um and so we do see her losing interest in him as she finds more of a place in the world. And a purpose kind of to and live. And a purpose and yeah. person, you know, a, mm-hmm. a person who loves her. She's less getting lost mm. in this kind of dream world that does lead people to die. She tells like a lot of stories of people who go off with the fairies and they always die. Mm-hmm. So I do see it really as kind of a, like a, a, brush with suicidal ideation more than a love triangle exactly right 
Um, um, who was supposed to be the fairy godmother in this? Do you think it was? I him? think it was. I think it was Sean because he's the one who like well, provided death and fairy godmother dress. all in one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the well, she wears like a hooded cloak in the Disney one. You know, she could almost be the Grim Reaper. You know what? That is a really good reading of that. I went to literature school. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. Um. But yeah, I mean, that's how I was seeing it was just kind of she's gotten to this place where she's like, I might as well go to Fairyland because mm. I have nothing to live for. And then she's she once she's kind of gone almost too far down that path. She's like, wait, no, I don't want to do this and changes the narrative. Going back to crushes for a second, because I'm thinking about Kaisa again. I guess I already said this, but I really did. I really did feel I was a little bit like... To me, it really felt like a closeted person having their first crush on a woman and kind of being like, what is this? And really dressing it as friendship at first. And because I have never been in the place of being somebody who like had their crushes on women affirmed from the get go, I can't really compare that. Mm-hmm. But I, I do find like for me personally, crushes on women and crushes on men feel different. Okay. And I think a lot of that comes from like... Um, social acceptability, right? Like when you, when I was a teenager and I was having crushes on boys, even before I was a teenager and having crushes on boys, it was like there's a name for that socially. There's like, you know, everybody can acknowledge that and be like, oh, you have a crush on him. But if I had a crush on a woman and this like exists to this day, I'm almost 30. Like still, if I have a crush on a woman, it, it takes me a while because I'll just be like, oh, they're really cool. Oh, I really like her style. Oh, I like really want to hang out with her all the time and be best friends. <laughs> and then after a little while, it slowly dawns on me of like, no, this is a crush. This is like a big ass crush because <laughs> compulsory he- heterosexuality is a hell of a drug and like can convince you <laughs> that right. you, you don't have a crush on somebody. Um, and so I, I, it feels really real and believable to me, but maybe less believable in a world where like queerness is affirmed just generally yeah um i think that if it was taboo in ash's world the way it is in our world well it used to be almost but i think then it would be like okay maybe she's coming to terms with it and she doesn't know how to you know find the right words to express it but i i didn't understand if from the get-go she knew Mm -hmm. or if it slowly happened Mm -hmm. Or if she even identifies as a lesbian. I mean, she could be bisexual, right? Or, like, yeah. She could be into yeah. fairies and people. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> That's what bisexual means, right? <laughs> to both fairies and humans. Yeah, I, I guess, like, in that sense, I, I feel like I wish I got more of a sense of where she stood exactly. Because it was, it was widely... Um, normalized i think in ash's world even like as you said like the fairy tales they had queer romances in them right but yeah um that's really interesting i never thought of it that way that it felt like two different things to like have a crush on a woman and then have a crush on a man i should save talking about biphobia for our actual episode of bisexuality i feel like (laughs) (laughs) but suffice to say biphobia is is real uh and affects you in a real way I felt like the prince was added almost as an afterthought. I totally forgot about the prince until you just mentioned him. Yeah. I kind of like that he wasn't a huge thing. Like, he was just like, yeah, he's a prince. Oh, yeah, there's a prince here. Flirting with this other girl when he's supposed to be with this other girl. 
I was like, yeah, it seems about right. Yeah. I did really appreciate the kind of reframing of the ball as not a place to get the attention of the prince, but a place where I know my crush will be. Mm-hmm. Kind of taking that ball and making it less about the intended purpose of the ball and just about like, it's a community event and I know she'll be there and I want to see her. And I also really appreciated how Kaisa really like brought Ash into her social circle from the get-go. And I also, okay, so again, we were talking about how this book is really introspective and that makes the pace feel very slow. Mm-hmm. Because when she was with the other servants in her stepmother's sister's house it really picked up it felt really good yeah like, i really enjoyed i love that gwen too so i cool. so wanted her to have a crush on gwen though. i thought that she was going I to thought, have one on yeah gwen i thought that was the one and i was like this is interesting see i knew she wasn't but i was like this is interesting are we gonna have some like tension are we gonna have her you know having a first crush and then moving on to finding someone she cared about more like i just thought that would be really 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 interesting can so relate like the scene where they're sharing the bed and she's so nervous about keeping Gwen awake that she just goes and sleeps somewhere else Mm. for me just brought back memories of so many like (laughs) sleepovers and things like that where I would just be like lying next to somebody (laughs) in a bed like I am so afraid to move because if I touch you I think I will burst into flames (laughs) like (laughs) oh my gosh and I just like I wanted to see that you know I wanted to feel that played up a little bit oh that would have been really great yeah because then I could get like like a better picture of where she's at you know yeah in her own head yeah for someone for like readers that are really in ash's world in her head and like always reading her thoughts i feel like we didn't get any of her experiencing like having a crush on a girl yeah uh, whatever we spoke about before like i i didn't really see that throughout the book and i thought okay maybe that's because it's so normalized so it's, it's mm-hmm. not like a huge mm-hmm. thing but then I'm like, but even if it's like, if it was like a guy and like, it would have been more of a thing. It would have yeah. been more played up. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting for me too, because Melinda Lowe is a lesbian mm-hmm. and it's sort of just like, I, I think if it was written by a straight person, I would kind of get it. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you just don't get it. Yeah. But like she does. Yeah. <laughs> and so it did feel a little bit like kind of, where's the like, I don't know if I have a crush on somebody, I'm going to be like obsessing about something about them you know I'm gonna be thinking about some random part of their body that I really like all the time (laughs) or like this one thing that happened all the time and I guess that does come up a little bit like from the first time they see each other and lock eyes in the forest Mm -hmm. she does end up kind of going over that a little bit but everything felt just a little too intangible yeah I think it was it was just it wasn't quite there enough Mm -hmm. to grab onto. Also, another thing, I really wish that there was more of like a, a, like a big scene with her stepmother at the end. Yeah. Rather than just like packing up and being like peace out, I wish that there was more of like a whole confrontation. Yeah, I kind Sanya's, of. Th- Sanya's just a drama hungry. Dude, it's Leo season, and yeah. I'm a fire sign, so I'm already like, what? Let's fight! Let's fight! Let's <laughs> I want to fight everything, <laughs> including the table. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I just imagined myself like. <laughs> Going after a chair. Got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Happy Leo season, though. I God. love that. I'm so happy Cancer season love. is over. I have never been that sad. <laughs> Plus the Mercury retrograde. Oh, that was horrible. That just kicked my butt. That kicked my ass. <laughs> this I... has become a semi-astrology. I love podcast. it. Can we do that? <laughs> 
yeah i um, just the, the the so actually the solar eclipse i found like a very cool period of time mm-hmm. and it like gave me some new leases on things and some new perspectives and stuff and then mercury retrograde kicked in and our last episode i did not hit record that was spoiler alert that was the technical <laughs> difficulty Kay and i sat down in the studio for an hour and talked about a book and i didn't record any of it <laughs> hit the wrong button mercury on the is in lemonade and it's y'all. like you know our our editor tech person was like you've been doing this for a year i can like yeah i can take the baby for a walk and you'll be okay to record the episode nope well <laughs> we're just gonna blame it on mercury being in retrograde forever yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely that's the problem but now it's leo season i love leos i love oh. leos basically if somebody tells me that they're a leo or like they have some leo in their chart I'll, you know I pisces just, and like, leo are apparently soulmates yeah I believe yeah. that. I believe it's a thing. that. And I'm okay. I'm allowed to say that because my partner has Leo Venus. But back to the book. <laughs> back to the book. Back to the book. I d- yeah, I guess it's the fire sign in me, but I just wanted to see more of a fight where she's like, no, screw you, stepmom. You're like the worst. Yeah. I think that would yeah. have been great. I mean, if we wanted to go really full like Grimm and Anderson, like birds peck out her eyes. There. That's a, that's a picture. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't even worth all that energy, though. I guess that's kind of what it's going for. I did feel a little bit like they missed, like she missed out on the opportunity to put intention with the stepsister. Because, you know, in the original Cinderella, in various ways, he almost ends up with one of her stepsisters. And I feel like it could have been very interesting to have Kaisa, like, at first be a friend of one of her stepsisters or be into one of her stepsisters. And then kind of, like, have that relationship develop, you know? That would be interesting. Like, I just I just sort of feel like this is like, it's a lesbian retelling of Cinderella because I swapped out the prince for a girl. And that's all I'm doing with it. Mm-hmm. That's all we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And changing some names. And also adding some fair folk. And I just feel like the lesbians of the world deserve more than that. Yes. Wish that there was more done with it, definitely. Yeah. Overall, though... It was a good read, I guess. It was uh, well written, definitely. Mm-hmm. Loved her use of words like exotic and foreign for describing a white dude. That was hilarious to me. I actually like couldn't breathe when I listened to her describing. I missed this, dude. It was so funny. She described the fairy guy as pale with very sharp cheekbones and looked foreign and exotic. I'm sorry, but he sounds Nordic. <laughs> Not that. It was so funny. But that makes me wonder if it's on purpose because she's Chinese, right? Right. Maybe that's she was what I was playing with. Yeah, that. that's why I was like, yeah. okay, maybe that's a thing. Maybe this. Maybe these are. Maybe it's written in a world that's more like China. I don't know. That's it. I, I, just, I like, actually I didn't picture Ash as like a white girl at all. Yeah. I don't know. We should, do we get a description of her? We don't. That's the thing. We don't. We don't, like, Apart right? from dark hair, we don't really get anything. I imagine her as like a brown girl or maybe like even black. I don't yeah, even know. Yeah. I Just not white though. I, yeah. I don't know why. And then I like saw the cover on the audiobook and she was a white girl. Yeah. So I was like, wait, what? That's how you sell books. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Maybe in 2009 since that yeah. was published then. But I think that if this book was like rewritten and published again in 2019, 10 years later. Yeah. I feel like it would be definitely much better because 2009, like, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Shit was crazy back then. 
Twilight was, was a huge 2009 thing. 2009 was a, was a wacky year. Mm-hmm. 2009 <clears throat> was my first year of university. I'm just looking, because I feel like I'm looking at the beginning of the book now, and I'm not finding what I'm looking for. Are you looking but, for foreign and exotic? No. Okay. No, I, I want to read more by Melinda Lowe now, though, because I think this was her first book. Yeah. And, like, as a first book, it is interesting. It is. And there are cool ideas, and I want to hear more about Melinda Lowe's experience, you know, as a Chinese-American lesbian writing about mythology. And, like, it just, I feel like probably if she has more books, I will like them. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't put me off her writing. No, not at all. And I also feel, like, kind of bad because I feel like if I was someone who was into fantasy, I would probably feel slightly different about it. I honestly feel like even 10 years ago, like, when this came out, I probably would have loved it. Really? Yeah. I'm also, I just want to read this because I'm noticing this, you know, so on the front page, there's all the publishing information. Mm-hmm. And then I don't really know why they do this, but they'll have kind of tags but you can't click on them, so I don't really know why yeah. to do it. I'm going to read these ones because it's making me laugh. Number one, fairy tales. Two, love. Three, self-realization. Four, fairies. Five, step families. Six, hunting. Seven, orphans. Eight, lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just like like lesbians, <laughs> orphans, <laughs> lesbians. You want a book about fairies and lesbian orphans? Boy, oh boy! <laughs> oh god! Do I got a book about fairies and lesbian orphans for you? It's in our fairies and lesbian orphans category over here. I need to own a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a category. When I own a bookstore, I'm gonna have a category. Oh my god! Please, <laughs> lesbians, colon, orphans, fairies. Oh my god! <laughs> So now, like, just this leaves me wishing that we'd done a more lesbian, lesbian book. Yeah. For this. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. It's, no, I mean, I'm just apologizing to our listeners because it's not a very lesbian book. It's really not. We really, we really, there was, like, one kiss. And I we was really like, wait. We more lesbian with it. Like, I'm even wondering, like, maybe next year we will actually do coming out books. Like, we do a big deal of, like, not doing coming out books. But I kind of feel like maybe for Pride Week it would be fun to do, like, yeah. a series of coming out books. Yeah. Um, we have some exciting other books lined up, though. Mm-hmm. We don't have all of the books lined up, but we do have some cool ones. It's going to be a um, great month. I, th- I think it's really going to be a great month. It's going to be a very queer month. I do think that what I'm going to do is um, for the month of August, like after this comes out to so the last week of July, too, I plan to like post on the Instagram a lot about like other books. So for like lesbian week, I want to do like feature a different lesbian book every day and mm-hmm. like gay week I, I'm just cracking up at this idea of lesbian week I don't know have you ever seen the sketch with the like running lesbians no, no. <laughs> but I need to see it I'll find it it's really hot today oh it's okay I'm I'm really tired also um but yeah I'm gonna feature a different like lesbian YA book each time what we have found for sure is that there's like a lot of books about gay teenagers, a lot of books about gay guys, I think largely due to David Levitin just being a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit harder to find other ones. Yeah. There are, there are, I know I read a lot of lesbian books as a teenager, so I know they exist. 
I mean, but also we read Rexana Ali. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I was looking at it and I was like, if I had had this idea earlier, we would have saved some books. Like, Rexana Ali would have been a fun lesbian one to read. And, mm-hmm. like, um, Odd One Out by Nick Stone would have been really fun for queer or for bi. And it's just like, oh, we already did that. And we already did that. And we already did that. But there are so many books that I'm sure. So many books out there, yeah, definitely. There's so many books out. I'm really excited about the one we have for trans week i'm really excited about that one we are still looking for some so if you folks still have suggestions you can always hit us up in closing tanya what's your favorite cinderella adaptation is ella enchanted okay that yeah definitely yeah book she... or movie oh movie okay the book was weird by okay. wait the book was called um no, the book was called Ella Enchanted also. I actually have it by Gail something, yeah, right? Gail Carson Levine. Yeah, I have that book. We, um, Hannah and I did a Princess Smackdown between Ella Enchanted and Princess Diaries, actually. Who won? Anna Hathaway wins every time. Though. Yeah, well, that's it. We'd, so with the movies, Princess Diaries won. Mm-hmm, definitely. Because the movie of Ella Enchanted is so different from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? With the books, I actually can't remember. I, sh- I have to go back and listen to that episode. We get a lot of feedback about the SmackDown episodes, actually. I feel like the book version of Ella Enchanted was probably better than the book version of Princess Diaries. Or no. Maybe. Maybe. The book, there. I think what it came down to, I think Ella Enchanted won by a hair just because it's more princessy. Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe Princess Diaries won by a hair because it's more princessy. I don't remember. I, I, I can't believe this, but I genuinely can't remember. Also, it's been like a year since our last SmackDown, and we really need to do another SmackDown. We did a dystopia SmackDown and a princess SmackDown. Those are great topics. Um, and we need to find, we need to do another one. We could do a fantasy SmackDown, fantasy world SmackDown. Hmm. I feel like Tamara Pierce would have to be in it, or Hannah will hang me from the ceiling <laughs> by my hair. <laughs> Now I see Hannah being like, I would never do that. But yes, we have to do Tamara Pierce or I will have words <laughs> for you. She's coming back soon. Yay. Wow, folks, I'm sorry. This episode has been much less about books and much more about just like, let's talk about stuff. Things, right? That's always the best thing, though. Yeah, maybe we should do a lesbian smackdown. Ooh, down. <laughs> and our uh, Google hits just went through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so my favorite Cinderella adaptation is probably Ever After. Mm, right. That's yeah. a good one, too. Now I do kind of want a more lesbian Cinderella. Who knows? Maybe there's one out there. I bet there is. Well, we should look into it. I bet there is. Do you think there's this, a lesbian Beauty and the Beast? There better be one. Where, like, she unenchants the castle, and then she's like, you know what, though? I'm really into this feather duster. <laughs> Why does it have to be the feather duster? Because she's sexy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. Mrs. Potts is too old for Belle. Mrs. Potts is just not, like, we're not even going to talk about her. She is not sexy. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so who's the who's the sexiest? Um, yeah, who's, I, who's I gotta, the sexiest? I gotta say, that, that um, the lamp, what was his name? Lumiere. Yeah, he, he's I like, cute. I like that you just called him a lamp. That lamp. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. <laughs> I'm literally need to go home and watch it. You know, the French lamp. The French lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, he's he had a thing going with the feather duster, right? It's true. Yeah. It's true. Probably also them. with the clock, honestly. Oh, yeah. I you know like, what? The clock yeah. was so strung up. 
He was. Like, he was so, like, oh, my God, Lumiere, stop. Like, I should be. <laughs> I feel like maybe the wardrobe and, the, and, and Mrs. Potts had a thing going. They were very similar. You know who else? You know who else? Was <laughs> a sexy anthropomorphic furniture. Um, was the, you know the coat stand? Who's kind of the butler? Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! We've lost it. We've lost. We've <laughs> lost the train. I think Mercury is still in lemonade. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's done yet. <laughs> So you're laughing really hard, but it's not that funny. So you're definitely still in lemonade. I wish I was in lemonade right now. It's mm. like 40 degrees outside. Is it? You know, no. I didn't even check the temperature. It's probably actually like... just like 28, but 30. It's 30. Okay. Okay. Not bad. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, so that was, it was, in fact, in case you've forgotten by now, this episode was on Ash by Melinda Lowe. We, um... Gave it maybe like a harsher critique than we usually do. Yeah. I mean, the caveat there is that we're not big fantasy people and it's maybe a little out of our wheelhouse. And as always, like we respect your opinion. And like, I think there are probably people who adore this book. Um, And there's a lot about it to love. Oh, yeah. That's that's very, very beautiful. We just wanted it to be more lesbian. So this was the first installment of Pride Week. The next few weeks, we'll be doing the rest of the acrostics. So G, B, T, and Q. Stay posted for those. If you have recommendations, we are already settled on our book for that features a trans character. Um, we are actually not 100% settled on any of the others. So if there's one that you really, really want us to do, uh, let us know and make your case and we'll consider it. And we're really looking forward to having more conversations about queerness and YA lit. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at Sanya Malik X. I'm at Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stutchberry, Kat McGuire, Lily Tenhove, Chantal Thomas. You guys help us keep the show great, so thanks so much. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Share it with a friend who likes fantasy. Share it with a lesbian friend who likes fantasy. Share it with a lesbian orphan. Share it with somebody who'll like it. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatmirrormusic.com. What am I saying? <laughs> sorry. <coughs> Great Mirror Because <laughs> I was like a lesbian orphan. Okay, I'm sorry. You can find their music at lesbianorphans.com. No, don't go to lesbianorphans.com. Oh, gross. I don't even know what that... What? what? Orphans? Oh god, it's probably something gross. I'm sorry. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song, Jenny's Groove, as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at Great Bear. Oh my god. Care Bear Music. Great. I'm sorry. Oh my god.
what's happening to me. Okay. It's okay. Greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatnai as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. We take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of Changing on the Fly? Not the left-wing, pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts, or visit us online at changingontheflypodcast.wordpress.com. Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of High Importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you? Ha <laughs> ha.